welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. And I'm Zena. Today we have an interview with a former Camden Fringer. We have Stephen Smith coming up from a Freedom Theatre. Um, he performed a show called... Dog slash Actor. Um, last year at the Accept Theatre in the first week of the Fringe. We've mentioned him before because he was the winner of the Off Fest Award for the best Camden Fringe show. He's not doing the Camden Fringe this year. So we thought we'd ask him his advice for people who are approaching doing the Camden Fringe, what he would recommend, how to win an award, how to sell some tickets. He was very interesting and he had lots of useful tips on um, if you want to tour a show, if you want to get the rights for a show that's already in existence because he did a Burkoff. He'd done a Burkoff. He'd done a Burkoff. So if you're interested in doing a Burkoff or a... something else this is a good one for you so keep listening and enjoy the wisdom the wisdom and also the youthful jollity of the man who was who still is Stephen Smith thank you very much for coming on the podcast you were keen to offer your wisdom to Camden Fringes of the future um, and we were keen to, to take your wisdom and pass it on. Yes. Do you want to start by telling us what your involvement with Camden Fringe was last year? Yeah well um, so I suppose it, I have to rewind the clock a little bit further than last year because I actually applied to be part of the 2020 Fringe and um, I was all set up ready to go and then of course the COVID-19 pandemic happened so that kind of stifled things a little bit but then as soon as things were kind of opening up for 2022 I kind of rearranged the whole tour of the show that I was doing which is Dog Actor, a double bill of Stephen Burkoff plays I think uh, the original plan was to have Camden Fringe run kind of finishing my tour. But when we rearranged it for 2022, it, it was kind of the the slot before we took it to the Edinburgh Fringe. Whereas originally it was meant to be the other way around. But even so, it came at the end of a, a kind of smaller UK tour, which I think helped in terms of marketing and revving up the anticipation for the London run, doing it all over the place. Um, I'm not suggesting everyone doing a Camden Fringe show should also do a UK tour as well. And did you book the tour yourself? I booked it all myself. Yeah, it was a 13-venue tour back in mm. 2020, but we reduced it to a a six-venue tour, um, including the Camden Fringe. Edinburgh Fringe was one of them. Um, and then after the Camden Fringe and Edinburgh Fringe, we we actually managed to get programmed in Malaysia. Oh, wow. Which was pretty cool. And then, yeah, I haven't really touched Dog Actor since, apart from maybe one or two school performances. But I've just been moving on to other solo shows and other fringe shows and online shows. Anyone who's listened to the podcast from the start 
God bless you, will be familiar with Dog Actor because we've mentioned it a few times. We started the podcast around the time that the, um, what was it called? Off West End Awards were happening. Mm-hmm. And obviously you were the winner of the Off Fest Award for Best Camden Fringe Show. So congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, I was over the moon. I mean, it was it was great. Great to get affirmed in, in that way. I hadn't seen the other two that were nominated but yeah it's it, it, it must be hard for judges to figure out a, a best show because in my opinion you know when it comes to awards you're kind of the best and the worst because you're the only one who did the show or played the part you know so it's it's a bit very subjective but I'll take it I'll take it sure was it a star-studded night of excitement yeah it was um brilliant to be back actually talking to people I mean, it wasn't a uh, an evening, it was a kind of daytime ceremony, which was nice because it finished quite early and could all go go home to bed. I think it means that I'd be presenting next year's award as well. Ooh, so it's like Eurovision. Exactly like Eurovision. Do you have to host it as well? You should check that. Well, I, I don't know about that. Um, it was at Alexandra Palace and that was a really awesome venue. So hopefully they'll be there at the same venue yeah that is a cool venue so yeah if anyone listening to this play your cards right you could be receiving an award from Stephen next year <laughs> you were doing a one-man show what are the advantages and disadvantages yes I was doing a one-man show but I was also producing it myself I directed myself I do all my own marketing and admin so I'm a bit of a one-man band in that respect and there's a kind of uh, autonomy that comes with that you kind of know what needs to be done what doesn't need to be done you oversee everything so there's yeah there's an incredible sense of autonomy but it is really hard to kind of navigate everything especially if it's a new piece because I had done Dog Actor various times since 2018 so I could kind of get on that bike again and then just just manage all the the admin but then if it is a new uh, show then you've obviously got to bear in mind rehearsals and maybe testing it out in front of friends or rehearsed reading and then sourcing props costume you know creating a new show is a different beast than remounting a one-man show that you've done plenty of times before I think the, the there is a, a really incredible relationship that you can gain with a solo show and the audience that you that you can't really get when when you're with other actors. So I I do like the form, but believe it or not, I do prefer working with other actors. Even though I've I've <laughs> I've done so many solo shows in the last few years, I think it's just been a uh, means to an end of just to keep the work carrying on. Really, if somebody has an idea of a play that they would like to put on that's already been written by somebody else, and they want to go and get the rights to do that. Could you talk to us about the process of of getting permissions that you need? I remember originally I when I was looking for solo stuff to do because at the time I had quite low funds and um, and was quite busy with work. So I just I wanted to do something, but I knew I didn't really want to necessarily involve a whole team. So I was looking for for solo stuff. Samuel French, who are now Concord Theatricals. They have a whole filter thing on their website where you can look for solo shows. And I remember them flagging up that Stephen Burkhoff has a few 
solo pieces. And I remembered Burkhoff's stuff from studying him in A-level. And I remembered him being, uh, you know, it, typically his style is no set, no props, very physical. What I found was Samuel French sometimes, Concord theatricals, I should say, they offer the rights for amateur productions, whereas there are certain publications that you have to go elsewhere for professional rights. So Rasika Colin Limited is who I talked to for Stephen Burkhoff's work. And they also handle like Nick Deer and other other people. So usually it just takes an email or a call to double check who you need to be talking to. And the way it works with Stephen Burkhoff's literary agent is I give them the the dates I want to perform, the max capacity that of the of the venue, and how many shows basically. And from that, they kind of give you a quote. And uh, there isn't really much haggling when it comes to that. I found you're at the mercy of what they deem a good price for the event that you want to put on. And can you remember, because you did your shows at the Etcetera, didn't you? So it's a very small venue, seating yeah. 42 people. Can you remember how much they charge you? Because it's quite useful, I think, for people to have a an idea of an actual figure. I, I want to say for the five shows that I did at the Etcetera, it was something like £300, right. something like that. But it worked a bit differently for the tour as a whole. What I had to do was kind of book the rights for a small scale UK tour. And I think that was a kind of lump sum initially of maybe 400, 500 pounds, let's say. But the way it worked out, it was something like 70 or 60 pound per show. So if I did 10 or 20 shows of Dog Actor, then I would have to kind of pay the balance later on. So you pay a a sum to secure the rights for as many performances wherever you want and then you sort it out later on. And you've done quite a few Edgar Allan Poe adaptations recently. Are they plays you've adapted yourself? They exist out of copyright? Yo, they're so old. He's so dead. Yes, yes. I think the rule is death of author plus plus 70 years, I think. Um, and it's a good nearly 200 years since Edgar Allan Poe's death. In fact, the funny thing is, is The Telltale Heart, which is one of Edgar Allan Poe's shortest stories, was what I was thinking of performing at the Watford Fringe back in 2018. And I, I, I then realised Stephen Burkhoff had done his own version and then kind of looked into what Burkhoff had done. And But originally it was more of a Edgar Allan Poe thing that I was a hoping to do but now since the start of the pandemic i i went back into my kind of gothic horror childhood interests um including reading a lot of edgar Allan poe and and what i found reading his original stories they're not plays uh, originally they're short stories and the ones that i perform are all in the first person so they make quite a cracking monologue basically Mm-hmm. Um, but I found I had watched a lot of Edgar Allan Poe um, adaptations, movie at- adaptations and theatre adaptations. But I found that they deviated so much from the original source material that I just wanted to kind of memorise exactly what he had written down back in the 1840s. 
and perform exactly that just 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 so so uh, the way i describe uh one man poe which is the the show i i do it, it is a it's kind of like a live audio book where you get exactly the audio book but you also see an actor performing it as well um so they're not strictly adaptations apart from the fact that i do them as theatrical dramatic monologues basically so i was going to ask you about marketing because obviously you did very well when you were at the etc i'm trying to remember when you went on sale last year did you go on sale particularly early i i think i did go on sale quite early because i i kind of had a very good idea on what i was going to market anyway because i had it all ready to go in 2020 I definitely was the most earliest on sale date for Edinburgh Fringe, so I'm sure I was quite early for Camden Fringe as well. My motto when it comes to social media anyway, we'll get into printed marketing in a sec, but social media, my motto is to be relentless but never repetitive. Because even though it, it's it's great to churn out something every day, it can get a little bit annoying when you just see the same picture all the time, the same poster I think it's great to, especially when you're revving up to your run, to kind of be posting every day, but always make it different and have different bits of content to post. I'm not very good at doing this, but what I have heard is there's some kind of ratio where I think it's like 20% of what you post is something saying, come and buy tickets. But then more or less 80% of what you post should be more behind the scenes kind of stuff. So I think that's a good rule. And in terms of how to make your stuff not repetitive, I, I, you know, there's there's cast announcements, there's previous work, previous reviews, rehearsal photos. So there's lots of ways that you can really create a an online marketing campaign that is relentless but never repetitive i like that yeah that sounds absolutely brilliant and really wise which platforms do you use most so i use facebook twitter and instagram someone has set up a tiktok more recently for freedom theater i haven't really delved into that just yet and i guess youtube as well just to upload trailers and promo videos and stuff what i usually do is i use twitter to draft out everything and then I know it's kind of short enough to to post elsewhere. Before I post something on Twitter, I'll copy and paste that onto Instagram and Facebook and then add a load of hashtags. I think it's good to tag people in stuff as long as they're involved. And if you do have a, if you're not just a one man band like me and you've got, you know, two, three, four, five people involved, then write it in the contract with those guys that they should be sharing stuff all the time and liking everything because believe it or not even if you're like me and you're relentless and never repetitive with social media like the algorithms uh, may mean that even your best mates don't see your post i think what one thing that really surprised me was the fact that some people who were you know, so active on social media and and who I, I see all of their stuff all the time, they didn't even know that I was doing anything because it's just not popping up on their feed. And that kind of leads on to also another 
big tip, which I think is just sending direct, personalized messages to people. I used WhatsApp and Facebook because you could send a photo or a video as well. I just think it's just something you shouldn't assume that just because you're posting everything online that everyone sees it. I've learned to like social media for the sense of its free advertising, but I don't really spend too much time on it looking at what other people are doing. So you've got to, you know, really spell it out to people. The direct messaging I think is really interesting, isn't it? Because if you, you see a post on Facebook, it's very easy to just like it and scroll on past. Whereas if you get an actual direct message from someone saying, hi, how are you? I've not seen you for ages. I'm doing this thing. I'd love it if I could see you there. Then they kind of have to, to do an action then, don't they? They have to either book or properly think about it. Exactly. But definitely tailor the direct messages so that it, it's not just a bammy looking. Yeah, and it can take, well, for me, because I got a lot of London based theatre contacts, it can take days to kind of get through everyone and, and make it personalised. And also, you've got to bear in mind if they do reply, then you've got to reply to these people as well. And I, I think a good time to do it is maybe three weeks before. I think that's when most people are trying to like figure out what they're doing uh, in terms of planning. But I guess it's never too early. One thing that helped with me, I did another another London show at the New Wimbledon Theatre in June before doing the Camden Fringe in August. So I had already sent out lots of messages for the June show. And then when I got lots of replies saying, oh, I can't make it, blah, 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 blah. I, could, I would have loved to come, but I can't. Make, you know, I then jumped on that for their August show where I was like, oh, well, you know, you said you'd, you'd love to come, but you couldn't make that one show in June. I'm doing it again at the Etc. Theatre in August. And then, of course, you can use these conversations that you start up for other shows. If you get someone replying saying, oh, I'm busy, blah, 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 but I would love to make it, then few months later when you're doing something else you can scroll back in your messages and see who was replying last time and then jump on that train again for the next one and did you try and reach out to people that you don't know for example like Stephen Burkoff fans did you look for groups of I don't know if he has fan groups on Facebook I did do a bit of research and look for hashtags and send a few messages out it was you never know. It could really land. It's worth the go because you might you might find fan group. There's there's certainly ones for Edgar Allan Poe, but I still don't know how many of them see your stuff if you if you post in the group. It's um it's weird with algorithms. You said you were going to go back to talking about print media. Yeah. Yes. What did you learn about flyers and posters? I actually spent you know that day last year when it was the hottest day when everyone was inside and just hibernating. I, I actually spent that day walking around Camden, putting up flyers and posters everywhere. It was a struggle, but I, I managed to kind of walk all the way up from King's Cross, all the way up to like the heart of Camden. Every bar or pub or anywhere that I saw that there were posters already I kind of turned up and had a conversation with the person behind the bar or whatever and and just said can I stick up your po my poster I'm doing a show at the Camden Fringe you know it, it helped to say that you're doing a Camden Fringe show because people 
had heard of that and then yeah just leaving a few flyers here and there again it, it takes a lot of time but I really think getting that image out everywhere really helped and also you know the fact I was doing shows leading up to the Camden Fringe I also had flyers to hand out for the whole tour I think the flyer that I printed for the tour I printed way back in February so every venue had all of the venues on if people in Cambridge saw it and they knew people who and they liked it and they knew people in London who would enjoy it then they could recommend it and I'd kind of do a bit of a begging speech at the end of each show just saying you know if you know anyone in this area please let them know so I think yeah spending a day putting up A3 posters and getting your flyers all around Camden might really help and so when it came to the Fringe itself, what did your day look like? Yes, this was something I really want to say as well. I made it a mission to, with the Performers Pass, which was really uh, generous of lots of companies offering, uh, which was essentially, if there's seats, come and see our show for free. At the Etcetera Theatre, I saw pretty much every show that was programmed alongside mine. I was kind of quizzing the off West End assessors saying, why my show though? Why my show? Is it because I, I was really supportive and stuff? Because, and they were like, no, 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 it was just your show was really good. But I wonder on a kind of karmic level, I really think that because I was supportive of everyone else's shows, I think that's why I won the offie, to be honest. Um, but I think to sum up, you know, just the more you give, to the other companies the more you'll get out of the whole experience and I just I just love seeing other people's work win lose or draw good bad or ugly it's all very informative and um even if you don't like something it's only your opinion isn't it so you know art is so subjective that's what I was doing all day I would leave enough time to kind of prep you kind of get in like 15 minutes before the show don't you so so I kind of use that time to just stretch and warm up my voice but but yeah, alongside Dog Actor, I was seeing all the other shows. He's kind of forged some new friendships through the Camden Fringe, some new alliances. Yeah, I, uh, John, who was doing the Club Chemo play, we keep in touch. Um, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, other people who saw Dog Actor have seen the more recent shows that I, I have done. Yeah, so certainly, yeah, there's there's been some really nice connections that I've made through the Camden Fringe. And what are you up to next? Because you're not doing Camden Fringe this year. I'm going to uh, the the One Man Poe show, the Edgar Allan Poe show is going to Dubai. And I'm hoping to do a big old tour of One Man Poe next summer, including the Camden Fringe, because it's the 175th anniversary of Poe's death next year. I'm doing an Edinburgh Fringe show. This isn't produced by myself, but I'm playing Steve Jobs in a one-man musical called Apple of My Eye. And I'm also producing an Edinburgh show called Paved with Golden Ashes. It's about a factory fire that happened in New York City in 1911, where about 150 mostly immigrant women died in a terrible fire. And it kind of was the the cause of a lot of workplace reform. It's an all-female, five-handed play about that. 
with music and a cappella songs. That's the last two weeks of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Well, thank you very much for your time and your advice. Um, very much enjoy the relentless but not repetitive. That'll be my new mantra for life. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> so that was Stephen Smith from Freedom Theatre. Um, Freedom Theatre is spelled T H R E E D U M B. Not what you'd expect. Freedom. Yeah, not freedom. You said freedom. But you say it Freedom Theatre, but it's spelled Freedom Theatre. How would you say it? I'd say Freedom Theatre because yeah. it's, it's written Freedom. Free- freedom. No. Freedom. I did read their website and it says you're supposed to say it freedom. Well, that, well why not spell it freedom? Because there's probably loads called, it's easier to search for, isn't it? Freedom. Theatre. I think you might have a speech impediment, Michelle. I've never <laughs> noticed it. It took me 23 years to notice it. Um, I and myself have a slight lateral R, but we don't talk about that. We never mention it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with um, an insight into PR, press relations with Debbie Manley. Um, Goodbye. I was, I was going to do our socials. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Come on. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram and on TikTok. But on TikTok so far, we're just dressed up as pigeons, not doing a lot. But follow us. For when we get the hang of it. Yeah, we're at Camden Fringe on most things, apart from Instagram, where we're the Camden Fringe. Goodbye.